With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today we've got a full house, we've got David Slight down the bottom right of your screen, welcome to the show David, you have been you have been on a Celtic State of Mind a few times in the past, you've joined us for match days as well, bottom left we have Amy Canavan, welcome back Amy, and on the top right hand corner Colin Watt, so a full house, there's plenty to talk about, we're going to start off um, with Dr. Joe Venglos, memories of Dr. Joe, who sadly passed away yesterday, former manager of the club. I'm going to throw this at Colin because he was just going on about him being before his time, which he wasn't. Joe Venglos only signed six players as manager of Celtic. How many can you name, Colin? Uh, well, the obvious ones, Lubomir Marabczyk. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Warner as well, on a oh, long deal. Good shout. See, throw that out there. Um, no, there wasn't many. Um, if you look at it, you look at Mialbi, you look at Lubo. Um, Are you googling this? I'll help you out. No. It's um, I'll help you out. Also, Viduka, very very yeah, good signing. We signed Viduka and um, Scott Marshall. Scott Marshall came in and Vida Reseth was the other one. So Lubo Maravchik, I think, would be the first. Have you ever said, you know, who did Dr. Joe bring to Celtic Park? The first name on everybody's lips would be Lubo. Now, we've just been informed from David. David, you've got a, a real interest in French football, don't you? Yeah, I've been interested in French football for, for many years. I've had a subscription to France Football Magazine and L'Equipe for about 30 years, so... I, I saw Lubo play many, many times for, for Saint-Étienne in the flesh when he was uh, when he was playing his trade in France, and he was um, he was France's uh, France football's Player of the Year domestically in 1993. That was the year Marseille won the European Cup. So that gives you some sort of context as regards the respect in which he was held in French football circles, and it was hard not to laugh just seeing some of the comments in the last 24 hours. Following the sad death of uh, of Dr. Joseph Engloss, just reminding us of, of, of the reaction to his arrival and to Lubomir Moravchik's arrival in, in Glasgow. You know, comments like "Doctor Who" and "Why is uh, Why is he signed Moravchik when he could have signed John Spencer?" and so on and so forth. Well, we know who had the last laugh, but it just it just demonstrates that the insularity at the time, and, and it still exists to a large degree of. Uh, of, uh, of, of, of journalists in Scottish football and the way that Scottish football was reported. They can't see further than the end of their own nose, some of them. No, you're right. It's interesting as well, as well as that, David, it just shows you the, the sign of those times. I remember going to watch Celtic the night that Pierre Van Hoydonk made his debut against Harps at Hamden. He scored that night. It was a great, great goal. You can see it on YouTube. I think it ended 1-1. But going to that game... Within our bus, and this was um, Jokey Munyon's bus from Blair Hall and Fife. That's a wee village in Fife, by the way, gents and uh, Amy. But we all were talking with a bit of excitement about this new signing. But how much did you know about a new signing coming in back then? It was very difficult, wasn't it? I mean, we brought him in from Dutch football, but how much access did you have to the information that we... I mean, when you look at it now, you just take it for granted. You can type in any footballer's name, um, even, even with all... The that access to information, some people still fall for your Dacels Avon, which I find incredible. But, you know, Pierre Van Hoydonk, nobody knew who he was. 
Um, and we're going to this game, he starts the game, he scores a cracker of a goal. And back then, as a journalist though, David, you would have expected a wee bit of homework. I mean, we've seen it with him, Janssen. You know, some of the headlines when Janssen came in as a manager, um, the worst, th- the second worst thing to hit, to hit Hiroshima, Vim Janssen. I mean, disgraceful, mm-hmm. disgraceful comments. Um, but from a journalistic point of view, surely they could have picked up the phone and phoned somebody at France Football or L'Equipe and, and say, you know, who is this guy? You would have thought so, wouldn't you? It's just, it just, it's just symptomatic of, uh, of some of the lazy journalism that existed at, at, at the time and, and just the parochial way in which football was reported. But, uh, I mean, as you say today, it's just so much easier just to, you know, Google search and you can find out all about uh, a player. I, I remember, um, you know, back, back, in, back in the day, sort of in the 1990s, you know, my, my, my sort of link with France and with French football was always a week behind because I was reliant upon hard copy of everything dropping on my doormat before I could access information. The internet really didn't exist back then and, and everything was, uh, was six or seven days out of date. But that's no excuse for uh, Hugh Keevans and others not having done the, the homework on, uh, on Lubo, the, the little prince of Bratislava, as he was known well before he ever arrived at Celtic Park. What was a big headline when Lubo came in? Didn't someone um, write blank Czech, is that right? And he wasn't even Czechoslovakian which uh, always amused the Jock Brown. So just showed you the disrespect um, from those those fields. But uh, not a bad effort from Colin. So it was Scott Marshall, Vida Research, Tony Warner, who played famously in the 5-1 game, um, as well as the famous Lubomor Moravchik, uh, Johan Mialbe and Mark formerly Marco Viduka. So you look at the legacy of Joe Wengloss at Celtic and you look, you, you know, you remember Lubo because the guy was an absolute genius. And there's always this thing as well, David, where people say, imagine we'd seen him as a 23-year-old. Um, I'm sometimes of the view that although he was ripping it up in France back in 93, what we did see was good enough for me. Absolutely. We were fortunate to get you know, the, the, the two years of, of, of Lubo that we got at all at, at Celtic Park, but he really announced himself at the, at the 1990 World Cup in Italy, playing for, uh, playing for Czechoslovakia. That was when I first uh, remember seeing him. Um, he, arrived in, uh, he arrived in France, all, I, I think at the, end of that, uh, at the end of that summer or the summer after, I think it was 1991, in fact, he arrived at, uh, at, at, at St Etienne and he was an absolute total hero there uh, uh, um, uh, and th- things eventually um, went downhill in 1994-95 in, uh, in when Saint-Étienne got relegated and fans felt like he wasn't trying and so on and so forth and he got transferred to, to Bastia from, had a couple of good seasons at Bastia in, in Corsica and then went on to, uh, uh, to Pastures New in Germany and elsewhere but he, he was every bit as much of a hero at, uh, at Saint-Étienne in the mid-1990s as, as he ever was at Celtic yeah, absolutely. We're talking about transfers and yesterday whilst we were on um, the Axon Bulletin, the breaking news was that Jeremy Frimpong was on his way out. It's reported, uh, it was previously reported that Roma were interested, but it looks as though Bayer Leverkusen um, are the front runners to sign him. The fees that we've seen have ranged from 11.5 right up to 12.5, £13 million. Um, yesterday's press conference was another interesting one. 
uh, maybe not as interesting as last week. But some of the, the content coming out of Neil Lennon's mouth yesterday I found to be absurd. Now, Amy, I'm going to come to yourself. Um, our form has not been too shabby, apparently, in January. Um, and also, you know, we're going to be selling an asset in Jeremy Frimpong and he'll be replaced by either a loan or a bargain. And I'm not going to do the air quotes, um, but an, a loan or a bargain. And I'm looking at that. I'm looking at some of the language used by Neil Lennon yesterday talking about the fact that Frimpong um, was ambitious and he was leaving because of his uh, ambition. And I find that absurd to use that kind of language when talking about Celtic because it makes me wonder if we're lacking ambition when young players, Frimpong being the highest profile one so far, are fleeing the nest. I mean, we talk about... Um, a manager of stature being at the club and that manager being a, a kind of a focal point of the, the entire football operation so when a youth player a young player's coming through they want to work with that manager they want to develop under that manager it doesn't sound to me Amy as though we have that in place no, it certainly doesn't. Um, like you say, from Lennon's um, conference yesterday, press conference, it's just it was just the tone yet again. I think it's I, I seem to be I seem to sound like a broken record, but just keep saying it's all down to the attitude of the club. This whole debacle, just everything, and I'm talking like since October, November time. The it, it was just the way they even sauntered into the press conference he sat down yeah it's been a decent week of training and everything's fine nothing it's just like it was just such lackadaisical language and not a language that any top club manager should be using um, like you say he talks about Frimpong and it's like oh yeah he wants to go well that's major issues the, the, the fans aren't happy the players clearly aren't happy there's something going wrong obviously as, as we'll touch upon there, there are obviously those comments that they are they are unconfirmed if they're true or not they're verified Um but as we highlight before we came on, Armstrong Oakenflex has liked it and, and Karamoko Dembele has liked it. So even if even if it's a false claim, then why are they liking it though? So there's something go there's something going wrong. There's just there's there's a there's a whole message, the whole tone, like I say, and I just keep coming back around to attitude. And there's just something in place, like you say, that if we bring in a a part, uh, a loan deal or a bargain, I know the name Stephen McDonald's getting chucked about a fair amount, get pelters for saying that. But it doesn't look like then that, that, that there's any form of, of rebuilding happening. If, if it's a bargain, then it's so it's a cheap option. And if mm. it's a loan deal, so we're just seeing it out to the summer. That's just that just screams complacency that we're just going to settle to see out the season. That means that that Lennon will be here until the summer because it just why would you be bringing in bargain deals and loan deals if it wasn't if if a new manager was coming in, there would. Um, well, this late in the transfer window, I don't see that happening at all now. But it's just showing it's just showing complacency. I think just like you say, the whole attitude of absolutely everything that's coming out of that club right now is um, is a shambles. Well, you know, it, it takes us on to the, the whole recruitment question, the question of recruitment that has been raised time and time again. We're in the January transfer window. Things are starting to happen. We'll come back to what Neil Lennon said, Colin, in relation to people coming in. But the words used were loan deals and... Um, possibly bargains. Now, I did say something the other day there, and basically what started to happen, and it's not a big deal, is that you know some sites out there call, and I don't know if they have the dictation software built in, but as soon as you finish a podcast, um, football pundit Colin Watt states, and th- these stories are appearing on news sources all over the place. So the one that came up the other day was uh, my comments in and around the loan market that Celtic are operating in. Um, on the back of the wages that we are obviously shelling out on Shane Duffy, 
Ferry, El Yunusi and Luxalt, as well as the loan fees, you could look at all of those combined at 8 million quid. Now, my question was, is that a good use of Celtic's uh, funds? Well, if you want to uh, equate it to £600 season tickets, it's over 13,500 season tickets to pay for three loan deals who are coming in right now. Great if we win the, the treble. Superb if we progress in Europe. But in a season like just now where we get nothing back, we get absolutely nothing back from having those players at the club, that's a, a shocking waste of cash. So yesterday we're talking, or Neil Lennon's talking about the fact that it was good business bringing Frimpong in for 300 grand, selling them for over £10 million. But the profit has already been swallowed up by three loan players this season. So there's it's smoke and mirrors for me. I mean, when we're going into the, the transfer fair uh, market ourselves Colin how disappointed are you that we're going to be going in for a loan or a cheap option a bargain I think one of the most concerning things is we can all agree whether you are still supporting Lennon which there are probably very few Celtic fans now or whether you agree that there is change that needs to be made we can all agree that there actually needs to be improvements in that team there is certainly a lot of positions that could be doing with strengthening whether it be at centre-half, at right midfield, because of the fact that we're missing James Forrest this season, Um, in the middle of the park, we're we're quite light coming off the bench, the strikers haven't exactly been firing. If you were really trying to improve the team for the second half of the season, you now have about four or five days left to do so, and Celtic don't look as if they've made any strides to do that. It felt as though yesterday, when the Frimpong deal came along, it was the first time that Celtic had woke up and realised it was a January transfer window. It was the first bit of movement they discussed. Now, Lennon came out and said in that press conference, there's one or two deals that are going down the line. We'll hopefully have some more information for you in the coming days. So that's the first we've actually heard of Celtic actively looking to try and improve the squad in this transfer window. Also, as Amy says, I believe that's the indication that at the end of this January review, Neil Lennon will still be the manager and will continue to be the manager until the end of the season, which I think is the wrong move, but it's the move that the board has taken and it would be better for them to come out and actually say that's going to be the case going forward. But as you said, £300,000 selling them on, there'll be players, there'll be people happy he's gone, there'll be people devastated that he's gone. I think it's a good deal um, in this, the fact that he's only played 46 games for Celtic and you're making over £10 million profit. Who will they bring in? Will it be a bargain basement? As Amy says, Stephen O'Donnell, his contract's up at Motherwell next week. I wouldn't be surprised if towards the end of the window he comes in as a sort of Yusuf Malumbu type signing. He's not the player we wanted, but it's the player we end up getting. Um, ben Davies has been linked Anthony Joseph at Sky Sports News is saying that we're looking to get a, uh, Ben Davies on a free contract Preston want £2 million for him to come up this year if he's going to be part of the future there's got to be a deal made there and then there's other positions that you want to strengthen but there's only a couple of days left why have we left this to the last minute? Because that's what we do compl- that it, seems to be so yeah Mm-hmm. You look at the right back positions, and I said this yesterday. You know, we've got Ayer, who not only is a converted midfielder to centre back, he's now a converted centre back to right back. We've got Anthony Ralston, who's played one game in 18 months, and El Hamid, who's been in and out due to constant injury woes. When you, you look at the press conference yesterday, David, does it concern you that we seem ill prepared for strengthening the side this month? Yes. Um... But this transfer window 
is not dissimilar to many in the past, particularly particularly mid season. Um, I think uh, I think the Frimpong move, if it goes ahead, is a good move for all parties. Um, I think it's a great move for Frimpong going to what would appear to be a top. Bundesliga side, if uh, Bayer Leverkusen are indeed the uh, the, the buyers, uh, Peter Boz, the Bayer Leverkusen coach, has a very good track record in the, in the transfer market. Speaks good English, knows what he's doing. Eleven and a half million, if that's the fee, is is, is a very good fee uh, for Celtic in all the circumstances. The frustration is, for me, is is that the lack of communication from the club around what what the what the game plan is here. Um, you, you know, and I think we've all put up with a lot since the start of the season um, my, my season ticket cost 1900 quid um, it, it's, a, it's a padded seat with a free pie and program at half time but uh, it, it... it's the marketers report this week Patrizio Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. In terms of added value, it's kind of been, it's kind of been limited so far. Um, and you know, I think as 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 customers of the club, we, we deserve uh, more openness and more communication than we're getting at the moment. That's the biggest frustration I I, I would have. I'm a bit weary of some of the criticism um, levelled at Celtic. People attacking the club and giving ammunition to 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 our, to our enemies. Uh, you know, I always say, be careful what you wish for. Um, I think Neil. I think Neil Lennon. Um, I think there probably will be a change of manager at the end of the season. Um, I think that seems clear, but I think I think Neil Lennon has been unlucky. Uh, I think he's been lucky with the, with the way that COVID has affected the club. Um, Rangers seemingly immune from it somehow or another. I think the whole Dubai fiasco uh, was unfortunate. Much of it, I agree, smacks of hypocrisy and, and people being wise after the event. Um, I think Peter Lowell's had something of an unfair rap as well. Uh, I remember Jean-Michel Aulas, the Olympic Lyonnais coach, saying when uh, when um, Moussa Dembele was transferred to Lyon that Peter Lowell was one of the toughest negotiators in European football. So just remember that before before you you know people, people call call for his head. Nevertheless, I'm as frustrated as the next person at, at the, the lack of communication from from the club over over the direction of travel. I can see as well as the next person that we're having difficulty. Defending, defending uh, free kicks at the moment. 
I can see the problems. Uh, I can see the problems on on the park. Um, but my biggest beef is, uh, is 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 the lack of the lack of comms from the club. And if we're looking for somebody to blame, you know, first and foremost, I'd, I'd focus my my fire on the players. Uh, you know, I, I think I think some of them, and we know who they are, haven't haven't given it the best shot since the start of the season for whatever reason. They may have been unsettled. They may have wanted away. They may feel like they've they've done their bit for the club. But this was the ten in a row season, and they owed it to the fans to to give a bit more than they have. Not all the players fall into that category. But I think two or three do. Um, we know the ones that we're talking about. Well, that's a big concern because Neil Lennon alluded to the fact that Jeremy Frimpong had wanted away for some time. Now, we know what he said after the Ferenc Faro's game because, Colin, you were here at that time. We watched the game live or about eight or nine seconds after live on Celtic TV talking about the added value, David, that you've already brought up. And after that game... There was cracks shown um, in Neil Lennon because he brought up the fact that he had agitators in the dressing room who didn't want to be here. Now, I totally get what you're saying, David, in relation to looking back and saying, well, we should have sold them. How many of us would have been happy had we sold Eduard, Ayer, Christie, Frimpong at the beginning of the season? Because we would have been in a situation then that we would have said, you've just sold 10 in a row. You know, replace them with... with replacements who have been inadequate but we didn't know that at the time so absolutely get that I do get that but when you've got a group of players and Amy's already said that this fake or otherwise comment the parting statement of Jeremy Frimpong which has appeared I think on Instagram which is a bit trendier than the social media kind of platforms that I use but um, I think it's appeared on Instagram Amy you can correct me if I'm wrong but it's been liked by two of his teammates you know at least two of them Karam Okodembele and um, Okoflex who you know, flatters to deceive, if you ask me. I know we've not seen much of him, but, you know, he came in as a, as a wonder kid from Arsenal, didn't he, under Brennan Rodgers? Karamoko Dembele, part of his development, has been under Brennan Rodgers. And they, at this stage, where, let's not forget, these guys have achieved nothing in the, in the game. I always think back to the old uh, Tommy Burns video, remember Return to Paradise? You'll not remember VHS, he's calling an Amy, but David and I certainly do. The old Tommy Burns video that came out um, after they took over at the club, and he was talking about making it as a footballer. And he says, making it as a footballer isn't making a, a, an appearance for Celtic. It's not playing a few games or a handful of games for Celtic. It's actually creating a career where you're there. It's longevity. It's showing that you can do it for longer than the five minutes or the 15 minutes of fame, as Andy Warhol once you know, famously said. And I think these guys think they've made it. I think, you know, obviously Frimpong's played some games and won some um, trophies at Celtic. Flex, what's he done as a footballer? What's Dembele done as a footballer? Yeah, I get the sense from, you know, what's coming out, the communication that's coming out from these players, that they are more ambitious than what Celtic Football Club is. I would, you know, I would be amazed if someone like Flex actually was to go to a bigger club and make an name for himself beyond Celtic. I mean, if that's the attitude you're getting from a teenager, I'm very concerned for the future. But at the same time, does that come hand in hand with the football department being headed by someone who doesn't gain or have that respect of the, the younger players. Colin, you're, you're nodding your head there. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, what you've got there is you've got a sort of collective. These guys have all came through the youth system. I mean, when Frimpong first signed for Celtic, he was signed as a player for the development squad. He was signed to develop and that he would eventually come into the first team. 
that opportunity came a lot sooner than was anticipated. So when he moved to the, the team, he did become friends with people like uh, Armstrong, Local Flex, with guys like Karamoko Dembele. But when we take a look at it, these guys haven't had the, the same chances that Frimpong's had. These guys were promised that they would make the development into the first team squad if they put the work in. There is no link between the reserve squad and the first team squad at the minute. You saw it in yesterday's press conference when they came out and he said that we had to play youth team players. We had to play a third choice goalkeeper. Uh, backtrack on that a wee second. This is the same third choice goalkeeper that you decided was the man to lead you in to the Scottish Cup final. The Scottish Cup final that you've went on and on and on about, about it being so historic and being at the quadruple treble. The man that you put your faith in was the person that you chose as your third choice goalkeeper. There's been no suggestion that there's been any development of youth players this season. We've lost numerous players to German teams. We've lost players to teams down south. And there's been no opportunity for these guys to even go out on loan within the Scottish League. The only player that we had out on loan in the Scottish League this season was Ross Doohan. The other ones are down in the Championship or down in League One. So when it came to the scenario where we had to play these guys because of the COVID breach, there was no first-team experience. They were never ready to play in that game. Armstrong Locoflex had the best chance to put his name into into Celtic folklore of coming off the bench and scoring in a game that everyone will remember because there was 13 players out missing. And he's not got that ability because he's not got that mindset to get in and get in front of the defender to put the ball in the back of the net, to throw himself at it. It's the only experience you get from that is from playing games. The, the jump between the youth team and the first team is enormous. And yep. if they don't think that there's a, a revenue, uh, sorry, an avenue for them to get from A to B, then they are going to make their moves elsewhere. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't blame them because we haven't given them the opportunity to do so. You're right. Now, Colin, you used the term there, which is interesting because it was used in the conference by Neil Lennon yesterday, COVID breaches. Now, that's different kind of terminology to what he was um, suggesting last week. It's almost as if he's taken it on the chin, um, having had a wee bit of time to think about it. Well, he had 14 days before, but uh, obviously since last week. Now, when you're looking at uh, the young players, Amy, obviously Frimpong, he comes in. He came in in the same transfer window as Leo Connor. Am I right in saying that? And Leo Connor is obviously a Republic of Ireland international player. He's only 20 just now. They can both be deployed at full back. And I remember speaking to a Celtic scout at that time who said they don't know which one, but one of them will end up going out and loan and one of them will end up playing for the first team very, very quickly. And he wasn't differentiating between the two of them. And it's incredible how Frimpong's development um, has been so rapid since he came to Celtic. Do you think, Amy, it's good business? Now, I know the 300 grand to 12 million quid seems like good business. Do you think it's good business? Or do you think in the future we'll look at, as we have done in the past with the likes of Wanyama and Van Dijk and various others, and think, you know what, we've sold them on a cheap here? I think right now, if you go off what this season's been, you would say, you know what, that's actually a bit of decent business. Um, he's not really hit, hit the marks this season. We've all rightly highlighted and, and probably slaughtered him a little bit for his, his inability to, to cross. So you're sort of looking right now. I think you're interested in there, though, that you say, like, his development. I don't really, like... I don't think he's been developed. I think that I think that's the issue here. I think if a good coach was in, he'd be developed. Right now we're saying, right, so he's not a right back um, because he can't defend. But we're saying he's not a winger because he can't cross a ball. A little bit of coaching there and you're, you're going to get one or the other, if not 
hopefully both. And then he, he's the complete player. The pace is there, the the fundamentals are there, but he hasn't been coached correctly. Um, which is why I do think for him personally, this is probably this is this is um, this is the golden ticket sort of thing. Um, as we've said, it's going to a good a good club, a good coach, and a good country and a, and a great league. Um, so all of that that's very appealing, and he's probably being promised right. It's not going to take long for him to. It, it, it won't take long for him to be taught how to cross a ball. He just needs that because he's he's he speeds there, and and that's what we're saying here. Um, so yeah, I think right now it's probably a good bit of business, but I do see in a few years' time because we're going to see him be well coached and be well developed, and we'll go yeah, probably I'm going the cheap there, but right now you, you really can't blame him. Now. It's been mentioned yesterday um, after the the conference all over social media um, that you know the question that was posed to Neil Lennon by the cynic I thought was was fair play I thought it was a good question um, but his response to that you know for me he was pretty blunt and then the the chap who asked the question wasn't sure if he was going to expand on his one word answer which was no um, and just as he was trying to expand himself on the question Neil Lennon gave him a response he doesn't understand. Um, he doesn't understand the, the, the fans' frustrations. We've all got short memories. Um, I mean, this has been a bit of an abomination of a season. Yet we've just to, you know, we've just to look back and say, but we won nine in a row and we won a quadruple, quadruple treble last month. I don't buy that. I don't buy it. It's not about last season. Um, this season, we have contributed two games to the quadruple treble, just two games. One of them was against the Championship Club, and we struggled. We went to penalties, and the aforementioned Hazard was a hero that day, Colin, after flapping it across, you know. Um, so I, I just think that level of communication, on a different level perhaps, David, um, for me has been systematic this season from the club. Either no communication or bad communication. Now, I can say that John Paul Taylor was in a, a conference last night with the affiliation. Now, I don't want to impart that information to anybody because I wasn't part of the meeting. I'm not part of the affiliation. Um, but Kevin Graham will go in some depth on Monday when he's back um, to discuss exactly what was um, covered in that meeting last night. Now, David, you've spoken about your disappointment, your frustration at the lack of communication. Um, is it a, a thing, is it a situation where the club could actually come back from that just by making a few changes and re-engaging with the support? Or does it look, going by Neil Lennon's interview yesterday, that they're quite happy that, you know what, we're not going to speak to you, we're not going to communicate with you, we're going to make the, the decisions and it's all going to be one-way tra traffic here? It's hard to say. Um, I think I think a real kind of siege mentality has has set in. I, I actually do think Neil Lennon understands the frustrations of the support, but I, I think I, I, th I think he's 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 so sort of deeply entrenched now in, in, in the role and feeling so embattled with all the criticism he's had to face that that, that, that he kind of comes out fighting at, at, at every opportunity. And many of the good points that he makes, the substance is lost in the style of delivery. Uh, and that's kind of unfortunate. Um, but I think the club as a whole um, uh, would benefit from communicating more with the supporters. That's perhaps an understatement. January is not out. We were promised a review in January. It's unclear if this review has ever really taken place in any meaningful fashion or not, a review of the, the, the sort of footballing operations at the club. Uh, January is not out. If there's no formal communication from the club, even a holding statement to say, look, we understand you're all frustrated. Um, here's what the plan is between now and May. We'll review things again in May or whatever, but something 
to, 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 to keep us all in, in, in the picture. If they don't do that by the end of January, then, uh, you know, I, I, I think that will be a, a, a big, big mistake and a, and, a, and a failing on the part of the club. I think so. Yes, the affiliation um, had that meeting. One thing that I can say is that um, if you go back to, when was the the Europa League game I was at at Celtic Park and I met up with the, the communications team at Celtic because I've been trying for forever, for three and a half years, um, to get in and about the press conference at Celtic Park um, um, it's not been forthcoming I've got to say but apparently they're going to change that they're going to try and engage more with Celtic podcasts, Celtic fan media, that was one thing that came out of last night, the rest of that content will be covered by Kevin, before we go on to some of the other uh, organisations or associations um, in relation to their contact with Celtic um, I'll take some of the comments that are coming through but yesterday I felt it interesting and it's got to be highlighted that the Irish Association of Celtic Supporters Clubs did come out with a statement because again they're very frustrated they are pushing for change at the club sooner rather than later um, and there's a perceived resistance said the AICSC uh, to make that change at the club so they, they've actually released a statement yesterday I know that the Celtic Trust are in consultation with their members as well and we'll talk to David a wee bit about that in the second half of the, the broadcast so some thoughts on the Jeremy Frimpong uh, departure coming in Liam Reid on YouTube. I don't blame him for wanting to leave. What chance does a young player have of bettering himself under the current management team? Um, again, it's, you know, that's difficult for a Celtic fan to take. You're at Celtic, yet you don't think you can progress. I think there comes a point in the careers of people like Van Dyke, Wanyama, Dembele, and Edward, um, whereby you, as a Celtic fan, know that they've reached their peak of their powers that they can possibly reach at Celtic, and then they move on, often with their best wishes. It just seems a wee bit premature with Jeremy Frimpong at this stage, but I think going to back to a point Amy made, under the circumstances, with that kind of money, I think it's probably a good deal for the club. I it's decorating. Welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. Frimpong, along with other young players, clearly feel that their development will be better served elsewhere this is a young guy who hadn't played a pro game and wants out after 18 months sign of the times as well in relation to the young players when I was going back um, earlier to the Tommy Burns comments it's changed days since then now I mentioned um, obviously the unrest within supporter groups David you uh, joined a Celtic Trust meeting via Zoom I think was it last night last um, night yeah. What was the, the developments? What came out of the meet, meeting last night? Well, it was a good meeting, excellent meeting, in fact. Um, well chaired by um, uh, David Lowe and, and, uh, and managed by uh, Jeanette Finlay, who kind of emceed it. Um, a, 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 a good, sensible, moderate debate um, with, with everybody who wanted to say. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more something having a chance to, to chip in there were about 200 people in attendance via zoom and you can imagine how difficult that was for Jeanette Finlay to manage but she did uh, she did pretty well and ensured that everybody everybody got a say um, the Celtic Trust has about 1200 um, uh, members at the moment, twelve to thirteen hundred, which was fewer than I thought. In fact, but there's been there's been a sort of uptick in membership 
um, since uh, since the start of this season, perhaps for obvious reasons, uh, and and the Celtic Trust owns uh, something in the order of uh, of, of twenty thousand Celtic shares at, at the moment, which are, which is a drop in the ocean in the grand in the grand scheme of things. But but um, the, the the meeting uh, last night resolved to um, uh, pursue Celtic to to undertake a review of all operations, football and, and non football. Um, at the club and, and asking for uh, this review to be informed by um, differing operating models at, 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 at European clubs. So basically look, looking, looking abroad and seeing if there's anything that we could, uh, we could learn from, from what was going on there uh, in, in the sort of root and branch review of, of, of football and, and, and non-footballing matters at, at the club that the, the, the trust are, are calling for. Um, there's more details than that, but, but I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to, to, to David Lowe, Jeanette Finley and others who are more heavily involved in Celtic Trust than me to, to impart, um, impart that when the, when the time comes. I, I think it's fair to say the Celtic Trust also intends to pursue um, uh, 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 Additional definition or clarification from the club in terms of uh, added value for for season ticket holders, and there was there was talk last night about that perhaps being in the form of of shares, um, which uh, those supporters who want to could uh, could, could could pool uh, collectively in, in in the Celtic Trust. But uh, you know that that's perhaps uh, you know an ambitious an ambitious goal. Um, but uh, if, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I, th- I certainly think it's worth it, it's something that's worth talking about. I'm all in. F- I'm all in favour of um, uh, of you know greater fan ownership, greater f- uh, say of, or, or input from fans into uh, in, in, into the running of clubs because it's another way of ensuring that we've got we've got the necessary checks and balances. I mean, the, the, the non-executive directors of Celtic are um, you know supposed to perform that role. Um, but but you know if if, uh, if if the fans can can assist in performing that role as well, then that's that's no bad thing. As, as well as French football, I'm a big fan of German football as well, and the way that uh, German football is won, run, the way that German clubs are run. Um, I received an uh, I'm a member at uh, St Pauli and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I received an email from Mönchengladbach on uh, Monday of this week saying that they were um, reimbursing their entire season ticket base, 30,000 season ticket holders. They cap it at 30,000 so that people have a chance to buy tickets on a game-by-game basis. They could sell more than 30,000, but they said that 30,000 season tickets they sold will be reimbursed in full this week. No questions asked, no do you want the money, no, no, no mucking about with added value. We're reimbursing the whole lot. Um, watch for a deposit in your bank account this week. So that's how they're going about it. Now, different, different financial ball game in Germany. They've got TV revenues that Celtic simply don't have. And therefore, they can maybe uh, more readily make uh, gestures such as that. But 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 uh, the, the the fan ownership model in in Germany um, uh, and a fifty plus one rule is well is well understood. Uh, and, you know, and uh, any, anything that um, anything that gives fans a greater say in in the running of Celtic and ensuring that we have the necessary systems of checks and balances is good. Not just for the fans, but it's good for those running the club as well to be held, you know, pro- properly to account and 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 uh, and, and reminded of the, the duties. It works in everybody's interest, I think. You know, when you're talking, David, about being a member of other clubs, what does that entail? Because we, you know, we had this discussion actually on a Celtic state of mind. Um, it was prompted by an email I got from one of the our listeners in Australia, whereby you may not be an active game a match-going fan, but you can be a member of the club and it, you know, perhaps gives you other, um, you know, 
you know, I don't know if that gives you a link to games that you can watch online. Does it give you discounts? How does that work as a member of these clubs, and how ex- how expensive is it? Um, annual membership at St Pauli is sixty five euros. Annual membership at Borussia Mönchengladbach is sixty euros. So it's certainly not very expensive. Um, it gives you voting rights. Uh, it gives you a right to attend the uh, the AGM. I attended St Pauli's AGM via via Zoom. Um, uh, it gives you discounts uh, and, and you know club magazines and so on and so forth, all, all the usual knickknacks that, that you would expect. But I, I suppose it, it's the it's the voting rights and that that feeling of, of belonging and having a, a part to play, even a small one, that, that that's attractive for, for people. Mm, definitely. Now we've spoken about players um, going, players coming in. One of the interesting questions that I felt wasn't really expanded upon uh, was: Is there anybody else agitating for a move? And he said there was a couple. Um, but then when he was pushed on that, I think it was Raman Bajwar, was it from STV? When he was pushed on it, he then kind of backtracked a wee bit, Neil Lennon, and said that that was players who had been agitating previously. Amy, do you think? Possibly Celtic will lose another asset before this uh, window um, slams shut. I really wouldn't be surprised. Um, like you see, the, the club are keeping and Lennon are keeping their cards um, quite close to their chest. So it's one of those. I, I, I really wouldn't be surprised. There's clearly something not not going right in that changing room. Um, like we see, if the likes of Armstrong, Flex, and, and Dembele are liking that mysterious comment. Um, if it be an asset, I don't know how. It depends, obviously. What, what are you defining as an asset? Are you starting? Are you talking like a starting eleven sort of player, a bench player? Um, I don't. I really don't know. I, I don't really think any player has a lot of love or dedication or commitment to the club anymore. Can see um, a lot of them maybe just getting what they can, getting the money that they can till the summer, run down their contracts. Because I kind of feel that's attitude that's coming for the players as mm. well. They're really coming out and 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 really pressing that they're like, no, I want to, I want to be here. I think that's a fundamental thing. If if a player doesn't want to be at the club, don't have them. Um, if Rimpong's not happy at the club, there's no point in having them. Um, you just want players that want to play for Celtic. Right now, I don't think anybody wants to play for Celtic. Um, don't think anybody at Celtic wants anybody to play for Celtic. It's just a mysterious um, sort of climate we find ourselves in. But no, I really wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody probably leaves on the last day of transfer window, out the back door, and um, who knows if the club will even keep it out unless it's a birthday. So Yes, absolutely. Now, the reason I ask is I feel that if you sell a player like Frimpong, you've got to replace him. And I think when we've looked at the other right-backs at the club, it's quite clear you've got to bring in another right-back. There are players, I think, who are surplus to requirements, who still have a value, and I would probably put Olivier and Cham into that category. Tommy Rogic would be in that category for me as well. Um, how difficult is it to move Tommy Rogic on when he's on uh, so um, you know such vast wages? That might be a difficulty. But if you were to lose those two, I think we're well enough covered within that area of the park. If we lose a centre-half, i.e. Ayer, again, we're going to have to go back into the transfer market for loans or bargains. And what I'm looking at is, here's a squad of players who, you know, 
if coached and managed by the right person, I still think you could get success out of them. However, if it's going to be depleted even further, then does that not make it an even harder, more difficult task, Colin Watt, to attract uh, a manager who can come in? Because you've already maybe sold three or four of the, the prized assets. And I say prized assets, yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone who would be in the team sheet, someone who starts virtually every week. I mean, if we sell Ayer, Christie, McGregor, Edward, then they're, they're some of your best players. So I think it's a bad move, actually, in that respect. Yes, it's good business to get that kind of money from Frimpong when he is still, for me, a rough diamond. You know, he's not a great tackler. He's not a great header of the ball. His positional sense as a defender is poor. And, of course, the last ball is something that's been questioned all season. Can he get that coached? Of course he can. So, yeah, he's a rough diamond, but I'm surprised in the fact that we are short already at right back. Um, any of the other guys that there has been an interest in, Colin, such as Ayer, we know AC Milan showed an interest. Um, Eduardo, although Neil Lennon refused to, to admit that there is interest in Eduard, there, there will be clubs circling um, this type of player. One of the clubs might be Leicester. So I just think we can't, we can ill afford to lose another Frimpong in terms of someone we have to go out and replace before the end of January. Do you feel, Colin, that uh, the club might be prepared to sell another one or possibly even two? I think that's probably something that they're looking at. Um, the, the issue you've got here is, realistically, we're going to have a new management team at the start of next season. Uh, Everybody would probably clamour for it to be in now so that we can start planning for the next season. Um, I think even Neil Lennon knows in his heart of hearts that he won't be the manager of Celtic next season. There's just a sort of... There needs to be a, a, a kind of a cut cord with that and just accept that it's not going to be the case. If this review comes out in January and they says we're going to bring a new management team in in the summer, we're, we're sticking with Lennon until the end of the season, at least there's some sort of closure there. It's not ideal, but it's something to do. And I think within the players as well, there's got to be that as well. I mean, if certain players are going, I want to leave because of the way the club's been run, I want to leave because of the way I'm being coached, I don't think I'm going to make any improvements. If they know that there's someone else going to come in, are they wanting to stay to see what that's going to be like? If they are, then it is worth keeping them around. But if they know that they want to move on, just the same way that Jeremy Frimpong wanted to move on, then this is a transfer window where for a lot of these players... It's the last chance you're going to get some decent amount of money for them. There's a lot of players with 18 months still left on their deal. Guys like Edward, Christie and Cham, players like that who, as the season goes on, it's only going to get lower in value for the, these guys. So if the chance is now to move them on and give a complete fresh start for the new manager coming in next season, then I, I don't have a massive issue with that. For me, the, the season is just a case of seeing it out to the end of the year. I don't even know if the Scottish Cup will be a thing this year because of the way things are going. The talk that the, the Scottish Cup won't kick back until February, March. There'll not even be time to play that out before the end of the season. It's a case of getting to the end of the season, trying to finish second and seeing what you've got left of a squad there. Guys like Klamala and Ayeti should be getting some game time to see if there's some players actually in there or if they're ones that we do have to move on in the summer as well. That being the case, uh, although we would still have a chance to win the Scottish Cup if it staggered on to the following season, would this be the first trophyless season since Tony Mowbray? 
That's quite concerning, isn't it? Now, James via YouTube says he's moving to a top team in one of the big five leagues. No-brainer for Frimpong. We can't do anything about not playing in one of the big five leagues, David, but our big selling point always was we're going to put you on a platform. We're going to take you into Champions League football. Um, how quickly, it's, it's frightening how quickly players think, well, you're not giving me that platform, I'm offski. Is that just something we need to, to suck up as, as Celtic fans because of where we are? I think we need to be. I think we need to be conscious of um, the club's place in the footballing firmament these days, and it, it's not where we'd like it to be. And that's just a that's just a you know a, a byproduct of the league that, that Celtic plays in. If it, you know, we all can see that Celtic has the potential to be one of the, the you know the biggest clubs in in the world, not just in Europe. But if they were playing in, a, in, in one of the top uh, four or five European leagues, and that's, that's not the case, and until there's some massive reconstruction, and I think that will happen in my lifetime, but until that happens, um, uh, it, you know, the, the Celtic has to, has to sort of make do with the position that it finds itself in. It is disappointing to see um, young players coming in and, and apparently wanting to wanting to move on as quickly as they do although in the case of Frimpong frankly a move to Bayer Leverkusen for him is a, is a no-brainer in his uh, in, in his situation but it, it also underscores the importance of guys like Callum McGregor and James Forrest James Forrest for some reason always the whipping boy of the support I have no idea why um, but I mean you, you never hear a peep out of him you know he turns up season after season some games he plays really well some games he plays not so well but you know he, he, he is uh, he, he is a Celtic lifer I like to think Callum McGregor will be as well, and they're two two guys that we definitely cannot afford to lose. You, you, you lose one of those two, you really rip the heart out of the side. Everybody else, there'll be somebody else who can come in and, and, and replace them. If the player is likely to move on between now and the end of the season, the one that I would say that we can least afford to part with is Chris Ayer, simply because there is no ready-made go-to replacement in the absence of uh, in the absence of Julian, and, and central defence was already a, a weakness uh, a weakness before that, but. Uh, you know the, the club will the, the club will survive uh, will survive come what may uh, so long as the fans stick with it and that's important and so long as guys like Callum McGregor and James Forrester are around as long as we keep bringing players through and we've touched on you know today how difficult that is to do in the absence of a of a bona fide you know reserve reserve league setup we just we just don't have one it does make life very very difficult. It, it definitely does and it's a subject David that comes up time and time again on a Celtic state of mind now one of the things you did say which is very interesting is the fans um, need to stick with it and there are comments every day coming through here with, with fans who are saying they're not renewing their season tickets and they're not buying any merchandise until change um, happens at Celtic another banner um, was unfurled yesterday Colin you have interviewed the boys previously have you not and uh, mm-hmm. obviously yeah. they came out to say that that their review is indeed complete, mismanaged at every level. Is, are the, the board going to be faced with this this kind of style of revolt where a huge amount of fans have that attitude of, I'm not buying into this next season? Do you see that being a, a huge issue in huge numbers? I, I have a feeling that there's an emotional attachment with the club for a lot of fans. I mean, we can say it all we want, but at the end of the day, Celtic is the club and it's the club that we all support and it doesn't matter who is kind of behind the scenes, who's on the park um, we'll, we'll always be Celtic fans so there's going to be that emotional attachment that when the season tickets come out you're going to want to renew it it's the seat that you've sat in for years you've got all the memories of being in that seat 
But I think fans will push this as late as they possibly can and hold back the money till the, the sixth or seventh extension of the deadline is what always happens when it comes out to the season tickets. And that, that, at the end of the day, there'll be fans that, due to the situations that's going on in the world at the minute, can't afford a season ticket next year. And that 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 for me is, is horrible that some fans are going to be priced out of this. Um, and I really feel for them. And there's there's guys like you, David, you just mentioned that yourself, you're paying like two thousand pounds a year for a season ticket. What would you pay two thousand pounds again next year if you, you had to sit and watch the games from behind closed doors, knowing that you're getting absolutely nothing apart from a a stream that, as Paul said, is ten, fifteen, even a minute behind what's actually happening? You can't look at your phone for the notifications that's coming through. The, the, there has to be a complete reset at the club. And the boys' banner yesterday is it's spot on. I mean, we have been mismanaged this season and people can come out and say that um, Lawwell's done great business in the past. If we take this season as a, a whole, we've spent money in the wrong areas, we've spent money incorrectly and this season has been a complete failure from top to bottom. There's there's hardly anybody that gets a pass mark for this season and the era's done. Nine in a row's finished. The, the, ten isn't going to happen. It's time to move on, start afresh, and put the next chapter in the history of Celtic Football Club. Now, when I'm looking at the comment coming through from Lawrence, I find it quite interesting if we sell Frimpong, Christie, Eduard and Cham and bank over £40 million, That's some transfer fund for a new manager. I don't think Celtic operate like that, though. That, that was my concern. Um, I think one of the things maybe that's been discussed by those um, with more financial uh, knowledge than my, myself is that Celtic will have to sell some assets to ensure that we come out of this as strong as possible. So if you're selling all those players, it's not as though it goes into a kit you know, we get nine million pounds for Brennan Rogers in compensation. How much of that went to the next manager and the next management team? We don't operate like that. So, with regards to that, and with that in mind, Amy, when we're looking at the decimation, the possible decimation uh, of the squads, I do feel that uh, some of the language used yesterday in the press conference was to kind of prepare us that we won't be buying like for like. We won't be bringing forty million and shelling out thirty um, when a new manager manager comes in, if indeed a new manager does come in. Um, so prepare yourself, strap yourself in because we're going to be looking for loan players uh, and also bargain basement deals. Is that the kind of message that you got from yesterday, Amy? Absolutely. I can't see how anyone else could get um, any sort of positivity or any message other than that from that. Um, like you say, it's just not the way Celtic operate. If, if Lawrence is right there, say you get £40 million from that, there's no way that you're going to we're not going to go right out and so we, we lose Edward. You're not going to go and look for a player on the similar levels to Edward. You're going to go right back to what you've done at the beginning of Edward. You're going to look in the lower leagues of, if it be France or Germany or even probably closer to home, who knows all, with, with Brexit and whatnot this year. I think that's going to cause a massive thing and I know Natasha's a lot more clued up on that than me. Um, but you yeah, will look through the lower leagues and I will try and develop players Um I don't think we developed Edward. Edward developed himself. He he had all the fundamentals there. Um, I don't. I I think you're spot on. Even if we bring in a an elite manager, whatever elite we um, we describe and determine elite to be, um, it'll be interesting to see how much of those funds that he does receive. He'll probably be promised to to, be, to see and to use a lot more than he'll eventually be given. Because again, that's just sort of the way that that Celtic function over these last few years. 
Um, but no, you're right. I don't see this. As Colin said, it is time for a new chapter. It's time for almost like Project Reset. Um, but I don't see it resetting right to the bones that it should be. Um, and like we say, bringing in a new manager and giving them the money, it'll, it'll be put away somewhere, makes us a well-run business. But I don't think that the manager or others will get to see very much of it. There's a question coming in or a comment coming in from Paddy John Hughes on YouTube. Uh, thanks for getting involved, Paddy. Should Lowell go? Question to the guest speaking. I think they're meaning yourself, David, although you have been involved with the Celtic State of Mind for some time. You don't normally join us uh, on a Wednesday. So the big thing with, with Peter Lowell is, you know, once the, the kind of dust has settled on a Celtic State of Mind, we have looked back and we have looked back at, you know, the way that he's ran the club and taking on board all the things people are unhappy with, not just this season, not just recruitment, not just, you know, employing Neil Lennon after Rogers left or even the, the Rogers departure and blaming him for that, uh, but also Resolution 12 and it goes on and it goes on, uh, the five-way agreement. There's loads of things people are unhappy with, David, but uh, even yesterday we were saying, you know, that message, be careful what you wish for. Look at some of the the, the uh, figures we've had in that post previously at this club. Look at the way that some other clubs are, are ran currently and have been run in the past. Is it maybe more of a time for Peter Lowell to, to change his role slightly and be less involved in the, the football department? Potentially, yes. Um, I, you know, I, I, I sincerely hope that there's some succession planning going on at, at Celtic Park because one thing is for sure, and Peter Lowell's closer to the end of his time as CEO of the club than he is the beginning. So, you know, let's let's hope they are thinking about about succession planning. I'd be I'd be really concerned going into next season if we have significant upheaval on, on the football side of the club, and, and it looks like we will. Also, to be trying to juggle really significant upheaval on the non-footballing side of the club as well, all, all, all in good time. Um, I, I understand all, all the gripes that, that people have with, with with Peter Lowell and what what may or may not have been done um, during his time at the club. But there are plenty of English Premier League clubs who would like to have had Peter Lowell on board. There's no doubt about that, and he will have had job offers, and uh, and he stuck with Celtic. Yes, exceptionally well remunerated. Um, we know that, um, but but you know, let, let's let's not forget some of the good things he's done for the club. Just because we're having one crisis season that has been brought on um, in part due to a, 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 a unique set of circumstances um, that have affected Celtic more than some other clubs. I remember Peter Lowell saying Celtic have been affected perhaps more than anyone. I don't think anyone could credibly argue that. But I think Celtic has been affected more, for example, than its main rival across the city for whatever reason. I think, I think we've I think we've had some I think we've had some bad luck this season, uh, and I just I'm just wary of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Whole scale root and branch reform, massive change on the non footballing as well as the footballing side of the club, uh, and and just destabilising what is a well. In my in my view, well well run football club fundamentally. Uh, 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 when we strip back some of the some of the you know disasters we've had, disasters we've had to contend with this season, and I know that view is probably not shared by many in the Celtic support. But I have spoken to people, not necessarily active on Twitter, but you know I've spoken to people in the last two three months who, who would agree with what I've just said. Now, before we talk about this thing called football, because we do have a game um, 
tonight against Hamilton. I just want to comment on Mari Rua Gallagher. Now, that name may not be instantly recognisable to many people tuning in, but um, she was a 91-year-old who passed away on the 22nd of January, and Daniel O'Donnell spoke fondly and paid tribute to her in the Donegal Press. The reason for that, uh, she was a Bunbeg woman, and she was a massive Celtic supporter. Not only that, she fell in love with the club. She was working as a clippy um, on the buses back in the 50s and 60s, and she was pivotal uh, with the Rossi's Celtic Supporters Club back in 95 when the centre circle of Celtic Park was delivered from Donegal. That was reenacting, of course, the 1892 um, Michael Davitt, uh, the first centre circle, and she was inspirational to many Celtic fans. So I think it's important, I can say Fergus McCann, everybody knows who he is, but what about characters like Mary Rua Gallagher, who played a big part in... Um, in Celtic supporters clubs, uh, but also in the Scottish Donegal Association. So a big shout out to her and anybody who's listening who knew her, who was a friend or a family member, um, our thoughts and prayers are with you all. Now, Hamilton tonight, Colin Watt, what do you expect this evening in terms of team lineups and outcome? It's, uh, it's probably going to be another, another tough game. No, we've not really had a game recently where we've, we've turned up played well and seen it right through it's Hamilton are actually on a decent run of form which is quite strange to say but they are one of those teams that seem to avoid relegation no matter what you throw at them they could go into administration and still manage to find a way to stay up but Colin, um, but Colin our form is and I quote not too shabby so you know <laughs> look without having to go back to that press conference because the way that Neil Lennon treated the, the interviewer from the Cynic yesterday was absolutely appalling the way that he replied back to him and if that's the way that the club's going to treat fan media going forward it will be interesting to see if more fan groups do get access to press conferences then what the reaction would be he said at the start of the, the interview that he was angry last week but the end of this week's interview he was very angry and it's impressive that he didn't storm off because that's the kind of level he's got himself down to but going back to tonight's game Obviously, we'll, we'll be missing Jeremy Frimpong. As much as the transfer isn't complete yet, um, he's certainly over in Germany. I don't know how that works with the, the isolation and the bubbling and things like that. Um, I was surprised he was able to do his uh, medical, as some people are saying. But I think we'll go with Barkas and goal. I can see Anthony Ralston being put in at right back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Ayer ends up out there. And it's a defence of Duffy and Beaton. But I think the natural position there is Ralston to come in and I have to be at centre-half because I wouldn't fancy Beaton up against uh, their big striker. Uh, big, is it O'Dolphin? Hakeem O'Dolphin? Uh, can put yourself about. So you'd, I'd like to see Ayer in there to try and command that area. I'd see Taylor at left-back with a midfield diamond of Sorrow, McGregor, Turnbull and I would play Tom Rogic tonight. I think Ryan Christie's performance away at Livingston was really poor and he could probably be doing with a spell out of the team. Um, before working himself back in and I would stick with the front two of Moy and Griff um, keep Eddie on the bench I think he's now back in training uh, someone might correct me there but I think that partnership worked really well um, for spells against Livingston um, and hopefully we can get the most out of Elinousi and Griff Griff, if you get the service to him he'll put the ball in the back of the net so um, that would be my team for tonight and 
I have a feeling that we'll, we'll sneak this one. It'll probably be 2 or 3 1. 2 or 3 1. Amy, are you as confident? And uh, would you make any tweaks yourself? Ralston, we're into Ralston t- territory. Um, he disappeared from the face of the earth after a fairly decent performance last time round. Yeah, I don't mind Ralston. Um, you can't really get too enthusiastic about Beaton and Duffy at the back, can you? Um, I'd bring in Welsh, I'd bring, I'd bring in anybody to, to just bring around any sort of changes to that. Uh, I think Colin's right in the sense that um, that Christie should probably be dropped. I don't think he had a good performance the other night. I wasn't that impressed with Elie Nussi either. I think he took his goal really well, but I, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Edouard did start. Um <sighs> I'm not. I am, oh god! I don't know. If, see if I'm confident or if I'm not. What a state of affairs that you're getting sort of worried over Hampton at home. Um, I think Colin Drake maybe two one, and maybe that's been a little optimistic. I don't know. Um, I'm not feeling the the greatest about things right now. But yeah, like you say, this isn't our too shabby run, so maybe we're being a bit harsh. Possibly, David Slate. I'll, I'll bring you into the equation. How do you feel that Lenny will line up tonight? And you know. You know, we're talking about everything except for what's happening on the park for the best part of this bulletin. Um, let's get back to football. Is there any way we're going to enjoy a good performance? Are we going to get a good win tonight? I think we'll get a good win tonight, yeah. Um, uh, I'd like to see, as we've kind of touched on during the show, I'd like to see some of the younger players played and played in the correct positions. So I'd go with a centre-back pairing of Ayer and Welsh, if they're both available. Taylor at left-back. Uh, he's a keeper. Um, Ralston at right back, Barkas in goals, Sorrow, Turnbull, Kalmak in the middle, Christie in the hole, uh, and Griff up front, along with Eddie if he's fit, and if not, then El Unisi. It'd be nice to see Barkas having an opportunity to make a save or two. I, I mean, I know it's a, I know it's a glib comment, but I, I mean, he seems to have dived round over under balls uh, that have been, been flying in his direction. Uh, and other than the away game at, at, at Ross County, and that seems a long time ago, Duffy's first game, I, I, it, it is hard to recall Barkas making any saves of note. So, you know, I, I, but but I think it's been. I think it's been. He's another one. I think things have been so difficult for. He's come from uh, Greece to Scotland in the middle of a Scottish winter in a lockdown um, with with uh, with COVID in a team that was supposed to be you know, owning Scottish football and it just hasn't worked out that way, I think it's been difficult for him. I, th- I think I think in the fullness of time, Barkas will turn it around. But I, I'd, I'd like to see him you know, put under pressure and having some, some saves to make just so we can really see what he's made of. I think, part, sorry Paul, I think part of that on Barkas is though that he's not really been pushed, is he? There's not, there's not really someone there that's coming to try and take the jersey off him. He's not had to bring out these incredible performances um, even when it came down to it, we played Hazard who's allegedly the third choice goalkeeper for the quadruple treble we played them right through um, the end of the year there and then when it comes back to it, we just brought Barkas back in we played them in the Dundee United game we played them at Ibrooks. so and Lennon's came out multiple times saying he is the first choice without ever having to back it up as you said there's been very few incredible saves made and there's clips out there of when he's done it before, when he was at AEK Athens. They played Bayern Munich in the Champions League and he was outstanding. Um, I thought he actually played well against us as well and I think that's what put him onto our radar. So there, is got, there has got to be a player there. It's just we're not getting the best out of him yet. And just on the, the point you made about the, the kind of players we've not seen so far, I know we never mentioned them, but 
hopefully we get to the position tonight where we're able to give guys like Ayeti and Klamala half an hour to see what they can do um, because we have got to start integrating them within the team because they are players that I would say are definitely going to be there in the summer um, unless some sort of offer comes in for them. Absolutely. I, I agree with you in re- relation to a Yeti. Um, here's a guy who comes in with good stock. We were talking about his first half a dozen games on here, thinking once he gets up to speed and, and he gets a wee bit fitter, he's going to be a great sign. And it hasn't worked out. But going back to what David said, I do believe that we will eventually see a Celtic career for a Yeti and uh, Barkas as well, especially when you look at the amount of money that they've cost the club. We're not going to um, cut our losses and get ready any of the two of them anytime soon we'll be back half an hour before the kickoff uh, to look at the team lines and uh, the thoughts of our listeners thanks everybody for getting involved on Facebook Twitter and on YouTube but also David Slight Amy Canavan Colin Watt thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.